Boy, a lot going on on a Friday is getting into the crossover baseball. And then the final stages, including the Fargo Little Leaguers, finally take the big stage tonight. Lomity Stadium in uh, Williamsport, PA. We'll talk a little bit more about that. There's high school football. There's the Red Hawks. There's the Twins. There are the Vikings tomorrow. That and much more here on the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson inside the Gunderson Jewelers Studios. OMG, oh my Gunderson's locations uh, uptown and out uh, in uh, West Fargo as well. And uh, successfully making his way to uh, the middle of America, Kansas City, Kansas, is Jack Michaels. Good afternoon. Ah, hello, Bradley. We have navigated the byways and the highways and have pulled into the country in and suites in the morning hours of whatever day you said Friday. Okay, I'll go with <laughs> yep, that. We're Friday. Friday. We're Friday. We're good. <laughs> no, it's all good. The uh, the the ever the the last the last regular season road trip uh, of the seat. I mean, th- just think about that. You just said everything that's kind of beginning and all the but this is the last road trip of the regular season uh, for the. The Hawks. But, yeah, pulled in uh, nicely about 3-4 this morning, and uh, the fellas are getting ready for a game. It was a thriller, Brad, Yes. Uh, yesterday at Newman, and now it's it's down to those those final 17. 17 remains, and you got to find a way to, to make up a little ground uh, in the division. So that's what makes it exciting. It's it's thrilling. Very true. And uh, I, I kind of – I know a couple times in the morning sports I thought I'd make or break road trip. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But uh, uh, three-city road trip, you're facing uh, – you will face one of the teams that you're uh, chasing in Sioux City among those uh, four, I would say. I would uh, put uh, Lincoln, Sioux Falls, and Sioux City of the teams that the Red Hawks really are trying to catch. Um, that's why that win yesterday was uh, so important and a comeback win. But uh, this is this is one where you got to – at least keep yourself in the conversation. If you go five hundred, six and four in this road trip, you at least give yourself a chance the final week. Yeah, boy, I tell you, it. it uh, there's. Uh, it, it's funny how what a difference uh, a year makes because last year the Red Hawks weren't chasing to 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 get in; they were chasing to win and and fell a little short last year of Kansas City, but then of course won the whole enchilada. You know, won the championship. So this year you're kind of chased to get in. So. Yeah, there's there's a for guys like you and me who don't have to swing a bat or throw a ball, we can sit and call a game and and uh, just kind of look at the scoreboard, you know, because that's that's all you're down to now. And and uh, yeah, you got to find a way to get get a couple here in Kansas City. You, you certainly got to find a way to get uh, maybe hopefully a couple in Gary. And then that that you nailed it that that last leg, boy the. The Belmont stakes of this road trip is going to be a mutter. That is going to be a – it's in Sioux City, Iowa. And by the time you get to that, uh, I, I don't know where the Red Hawks will be because, uh, you know, Sioux Falls is certainly in play and, and the other teams are too. So we're going to be it's, – it's, it's, I, like I said, it's kind of exciting because you get a, you, you care about your game, but then you're, you're always scoreboard watching and then the chips will fall where they – chips will fall. But – yeah, that the win yesterday took forever. It was a long game, and it took eleven innings or whatnot. But the Red Hawks finally, finally, got the the big two out hit, and of course, it comes from one of the all time greats in, in Leo Pena. So that uh, it was a the bus ride. I'll have to say we didn't get going as quick as possible, but it was a good bus ride. Good deal, and uh, you know, really, the same thing applies in the East Division as well. We kind of have five teams. Kind of fighting for four, they almost uh, the divisions almost mirror images of each other um, at uh, at this point. Coming up on the program, we will talk some high school football. Jody Norstead from Midco Sports will join us. It is well, we had one game last night. Grafton beat Thompson, um, but uh, the really the bottom three classes nine man, eleven A, eleven double A will get going. Just a handful of games in eleven double A. North at Horace is the one, only one here in the Metro, and then. Uh, the rest of 2A and 3A will get underway in North Dakota next week. We'll talk uh, that with uh, with Jody. But some very intriguing games, including one we'll have uh, down the dial on 104.7 FM KFGO, Central Cass and Kindred. You don't need to say much more than that. Uh, 7 o'clock on that uh, with a 6.40 pregame. And then uh, uh, really some other good ones as well. A good one in Nine Man with Sergeant County and LLM. And much more coming up with Jody in a few minutes. And Corey Provis will be in 
Corey uh, took a couple days off. He is back in uh, back at work and ready to go for the Twins awesome. and Pirates this weekend. You know, you know, Brad, as, as you're laying out in, in, in our properties, we have several properties we use. And as a brand manager yourself and a sports director for me, I'm just thinking maybe our goal beginning of the year should have been, can we utilize every one of our radio stations on a particular night? Meaning, can we, okay, we got the Twins on KFGO. They've got the, uh, the Red Hawks on 740 The Fan, as you mentioned, football tonight. Uh, 104.7 FM, the Little League series on 101.9 Jack FM. Now we just got to find like a rodeo to put on Froggy 99.9. And then I'm not sure what we'd put on Y94. We'd have to find, you know, something demographically appropriate. Yes. Uh, sporting, you know, we, but boy, that would be something, Brad. We're almost, we've almost utilized all of it. Uh, just into the about. Yeah, I think we have, uh, we have maximized our resources for uh, tonight. <laughs> And this weekend. And, yeah, speaking of that, uh, Chad Hansen, coach of the Far- uh, Fargo Little Leaguers, was on with uh, Joel Heitkamp on News and Views this morning on KFGO. Just get a couple of minutes with uh, with Chad Hansen. Between he and Todd Molden, I think they've been interviewed about 75 times each year by local and national media. Let's hear from Chad. Hey, thanks for having me. I know a lot of people would want me to say this. Congratulations. Whatever happens out there in Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. What a great season. Uh, you know, I how excited are the kids? Most foolish question of the day. It was the best day to get them up. I know that because we had breakfast at 8.30 this morning, and uh, it, we're an hour ahead of you, of course. But uh, I said, hey, boys, time to get up, and everybody was up just like that. So they're ready to go. <laughs> we're going to be listening to you tonight on 101.9. The Jack, we got uh, great sponsors, American Federal Bank. Uh, of course, we got Applebee's, Carper World, Direct First International Bank and Trust, CI Sport, uh, Ball Yard, and 463 Foundation. Chad, you got everybody's attention. Uh, you really did. Uh, why do you think this team is so special, Chad? Uh, it's just a good group of kids. I mean, they're easy to coach. They're fun to coach. They got good parents. Um, the parents get it, you know, so that makes it easier for us coaches. Um, they just want to be here. They want to, they love baseball. I mean, they want to, they just want to go out and play. I mean, so they're pretty excited tonight. You know, Fargo Youth Baseball, I've been around it, uh, you know, both through my grandson and through, you know, Jack and I coming over and calling some games and you guys run a heck of a program. I mean, I, I really, I mean that with all sincerity. Fargo Youth Baseball, it doesn't surprise me to have a product as good as yours come through it, Chad. Well, it starts with Alex Sumner, right? He's our executive director, and then he's got some great staff that's underneath him with Scott Pavnoff, Zach Frazier, and Carson Spies. But our board has been just great, too. Eric Grandy's actually down here. Um, he's the, I think they call him the board president, board chair. I don't know what they call him, but he's in charge of the board. So, I mean, they've just been so supportive of us. They're there for the right reasons. I mean, they, they want to give the kids the best experience, and we appreciate it because we're here now, you know? So, I mean, we're kind of reaping those benefits from what those guys have done. You know, like Mike Rarick has kind of practiced seal a little bit. He couldn't get it done, but uh, he was a runner-up in 2018. You know, then you got Grant Gigstead, Eric Grandy, Donnie Bryant. Um, I think I got them all. On the, on the other coaches that have had the experience of going to the regionals and uh, they kind of, and I was there in 2019, but it just, this doesn't compare. So, I mean, just all the, all the stuff that we have, the resources to try to get us here, we appreciate it, you know, this opportunity. Well, I think we all do because we're all sitting there cheering for you. I mean, we're all excited as heck. I think people are going to be glued to Jack FF tonight as they drive. I don't, if you're doing chores out there, you know, I, I like my radio station, but a lot of people are going to be listening to 101.9. Chad, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot of starting to name a player or two, but uh, there's got to be somebody that you, you're really looking forward to watching here. I mean, are, are you deep enough pitching-wise to take on some of the teams you're going to be butting heads with? If we throw strikes, we'll be just fine. I'm not going to name any players just because we truly believe, like, in the regional, we had 12 kids get an RBI, like, when they're hitting, right? So I, I we're deep enough to just say hitting-wise. Because, I mean, they do that continuous batting order now, so all 12 of my kids have to bat, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, I really believe that in any game, 
somebody can step up, you know. I mean, like that one game in regional Jackson Molden had six RBIs. I mean, that was huge, right? He always came up with bases loaded, but it was the guys in front of him that made him made that happen. So it's just for us, it's just a total team effort. If we all contribute the way that we should, we'll be just fine tonight. That was the perfect answer to all that. The other thing I would add is, <laughs> so you know, when when I watched you guys, I never really felt you were out of it. You know, they, they, they're, there's something about this team where you could feel that they were in it at all points. And the kids didn't seem nervous, Chad, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. The question was, is this team nervous? No, they didn't seem nervous. I mean, they, oh, they, they okay. got okay. nerves of steel. You know what? They're good kids. We try to preach just have fun, right? We're Nobody can take the Midwest Championship away from us, right? There's 20 teams here. There's only going to be one national champion. We're, we're teaching these kids that, you know what, you go out and try hard and whatever happens, happens. So that's that's what we're preaching. Um, that's what we believe in. We want these kids to enjoy this experience. I think our, our kids are ready to go tonight. I mean, we're, we could have between twenty and 30,000 people there tonight, and I don't know if it's going to bother our, bother my kids at all. I mean, it's just going to be just a fun atmosphere, a fun experience. I'm, I'm just glad that they get to they get to do it, right? Yeah. No matter what happens, Chad, uh, they do get to do it, and they get to do it because of a lot of hard work and people like you. So, go get them. Have fun with it. Uh, you know, I, either way, I think the community of Fargo and the Upper Midwest won by you being there. So, appreciate you coming on with us, Chad. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yep, that's. Uh, I, I think whatever they do at this point is gravy, Jack. I do, and 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 again, I would add to how Joel finished that. You know, again, I've been saying this throughout the sense. It's it's not Fargo, uh, even though it is. It's North Dakota, Brad. These are these young men are representing the state of North Dakota. So that's the Midwest region is the North Dakota champion, and and I know that our signal. That reaches across the state. I want people in Bismarck and Williston and Dickinson and Watford City and Candu and pick your pick your town. You're part of this too. You know that it's they're representing uh, the state of North Dakota. So to know that you know the Needville team. And if anybody knows that area, that's that's that that uh, I think like Houston Sugarland area. Obviously they've got they've got some they got a little. They probably got a decent little league program down in the Houston, Texas area, Brad, in Sugarland. So uh, I like what Joel had said too. That and Chad there that said, uh, yeah, whether they win it or or don't win a game in this double elimination or win one and lose one, you know, whatever the case may be. As Chad Hansen said, you can't take away the fact that North Dakota, uh, the the Midwest champions, and uh, they've accomplished. I mean, they're they're playing with house money, so to speak. This is all gravy. So. Well, and uh, I imagine the 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 boys from Texas probably get to play baseball. You're, yeah, a lot more than uh, than the <laughs> yeah, Fargo Little. Yeah. I mean, granted, you've got that indoor facility, which is great, and it's right. been a and you know I think a Mike Skogan to the ball yard too. And I mean, yeah. you have those indoor facilities, but to actually get out of field, uh, you know, they they have that luxury in Texas. Not so much here. Yeah, if Brad and Jack grew up in, you know, Houston, Sugarland, Needville, that area, and, and it's February, and I call you and say, Brad, let's go out to the ball diamond and knock the ball around. That ain't happening in Fargo. or nope. It better be an orange ball on an icy field <laughs> if that's happening. Yeah, so, there'll be some ground yeah. balls, yeah. Yeah, ground balls. There. But, yeah, 6 o'clock, let's go, guys. Let's uh, have a little fun. And, you know, the funny thing is we started that Little League Night in America – and we named, we named, I named it that, Brad, because I wanted to name, we named it, you know, for those that don't know, we've been in our pro- property since COVID. We thought, let's, let's do this and then broadcast Little League games. So Joel and I go out and do our thing there. And then we, we call it Little League Night in America to make it sound big for the local Little Leaguers. You know, we broadcast on our radio dial, the big stations, you know, like KFGO to make it seem big, even though it's local. Now the irony, Brad, or coincidence, now the Little League team that's local is actually playing on the massive stage. It's kind of funny how that has come, you know, in just a few short years, how that is really happening. So, I, yeah, I think uh, the state of North Dakota, the region, should be tickled pink for these young boys. And, uh, and they are a good group of kids. They get a chance to, to talk with them in the last couple of years and doing their games. And they are just your typical 11- and 12-year-olds that enjoy video games and 
whatever else, but they just happen to be going to be viewed by like 30 million people tonight and how many people tune in on 1019 Jack FM. So, yeah, it's it's a great story. We'll, uh, and I think when we, sometimes when we do year-end retrospectives, I know just uh, um, with my work and the mm-hmm. uh, Associated Press Sportscasters and Sports Writers in North Dakota, we always have our meeting in June and we always have to kind of, when we go with, do some of our yearly awards, it's like, you almost got to remember, you almost got to like write things down when they happen. And I know we've got awards for like non-school awards. And I say that if the, uh, if my other fellow members are listening, I say if the Fargo Little Leaguers don't win something, then we've done something wrong. <laughs> what, they, what they've done uh, to, to, to put us on the map. This might have to be recognized, yes, in some fashion. It it does. Well, you know, and to that award, you know, it's the accomplishment, but, you know, what's the value on shedding light on your not just town, but state on a national or international stage? You know, to your point, Brad, that's, you know, how many individuals or teams get a chance to do that, you know, outside the high school season you know outside the high school season and and uh and these kids have done it you know they've done it yeah we've been really but it's been a, i think just for youth baseball what we saw with the two teams from from moorhead and going to national tournaments right. and what they've done in west fargo and you know but much like we talk about with golfers if somebody like an amy olson or a tom hoagie can accomplish yes. what they did in a snow-covered <laughs> snow-covered land for <laughs> six seven eight months a year and, and the same thing applies baseball wise I, that's I think for people that follow baseball like you and I do, this uh, the the uh, baseball community is alive and well in this area. I, it's uh, it's it's awesome. And and to fit it to put a close on my end on this this Brad, you know, it's it's about them. You know, it's about the these these players. But I'll tell you, you know, you mentioned the the, the Moorhead. You know, what's it cost for those parents and everybody to go to Fredericksburg, you know, Virginia? You know, what was the bill? to go to Jamestown, New York. How much did that cut in and, and make some budgetary decisions on parents' side? Williamsport, Pennsylvania, you know, gas prices the way they are. There's that aspect that sacrifices has, have been made uh, by by parents and relatives and, and communities getting involved that have donated money. I mean, to Moorhead, to, to you know, these guys. I mean, that's the other aspect, Brad, that – you know, they don't fly them for free. It's not like you win the Midwest Regional and here's a check for $130,000. Enjoy yourself, fellas. You know, it's a, so there's another, there's another arm. You know, this wheel has a lot of spokes that make that, that vent turn. And, and that's, that's, uh, that can't be, uh, you know, forgotten about the sacrifices that are made by parents, coaches like Chad and, mm-hmm. and his staff, Coach Molden. You know, the, what they have put aside or what they had to scrape together, uh, to continue this on. So, yeah, I always think about that too. Yeah. And well, I mean, these kids have been gone for, you know, the time, by the time they get home, they'll been gone for close to three weeks. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Eesh. Oh, and it might, knowing my 12 year old self, I'd be like, darn, I wish that would have happened. During the school year. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. But uh, that'll be tonight. 6 p.m. is the scheduled start time on that. And uh, you can hear that, uh, as we mentioned, 119 Jack FM with their game with Needville, Texas, um, this evening. We'll uh, take a break as uh, we will visit next. High school football is underway in North Dakota. Minnesota, a few practices in. They will get their season going here, not next week, but the following. really uh, Really in earnest. And then... Well, tonight, we've got a number of games in the area. We'll visit with Jody Norstead from Midco Sports. He follows it very closely, and we'll visit with Jody next. Jack Michaels Show, Jack in Kansas City. We're out here in the Gunderson Jewelers Studios on The Fan. Twelve twenty-three as we are back at the Jack Michaels Show. We're at in studio, Jack on the road with the Red Hawks, and... Here we go. High school football is underway. Actually, one game last night with Grafton beating uh, Thompson and uh, full slate of nine man and a little bit of double A as well. And uh, who better to visit with than uh, Jody Norstead from uh, Midco Sports. Hope you enjoyed your summer because it's over now, my friend. It is over, but that's okay. I mean, when I can go out and watch high school football, I'm like, eh, it's all right, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. He snuck in some some vacations, snuck out a, a trip to Colorado for yes. work, and yeah, back at it, man. It, it'll be fun. It'll be a busy night and a fun night. 
Yeah, a little bit about that before we get into football. You, uh, I know a, a good friend of Jack's, uh, Mark Johnson, uh, radio uh, radio voice of the uh, Colorado Buffs, did a story on him, and uh, did you uh, check on uh, Mr. Hurlbert as well? Yes, uh, so we caught up with uh, Joe and uh, the former Enderlin standout, the big man, and he's gotten, it, it's crazy because he's gotten, you can tell that he's been, you know, working out, lifting weights, so he's gotten stronger and hoping to, to make an impact here after redshirting last year and you know, just asking him, you know, how big of a grind is that? And he said, well, it, you know, it, it stinks because you're used to playing all the time in high school. And then, you know, you go to a bigger school and and you kind of learn that you have to, to wait your turn. So he's hoping that this year he, he gets an opportunity and, and can uh, do something out there. But fun to catch up with Joe. He's really enjoying uh, the, the life out there in Boulder, Colorado. And who could blame him, especially when he's like, yeah, you know, walk into to lunch and then all of a sudden there's coach prime walking in with with a couple of guys and so to have Deion sanders on your <laughs> campus he said he said the one thing that really changed that impacted joe was the food they they started making better food in the the fueling station for the athletes so he's pretty pumped about that might be a little little better than what they uh what they had in enderlin i guess but uh you know it's that's uh, part of the <laughs> nothing nothing against the food in enderlin i'm sure it's delicious but uh uh we get to uh Really, week one, um, most of double A and three A will get going next week uh, in double A. But uh, the team that I think has uh, perked up a lot of interest from what the, the run they've made in mean, the last two years, but last year especially, and they've got uh, a strong senior class coming back. And uh, Fargo North taking on Horace tonight. Horace still kind of in the infant stages of their program, but uh, expectations pretty high up on the north side. Yeah, and I mean, it's rightfully so. I mean, they make it to the Dakota Bowl last year, and I think it's about 10, 9, 10 starters returning on both sides of the ball, including Peter Haugo, who's who's been All-State now a couple of years and is committed to NDSU and just does so much on both sides of the football, whether you know he's running you over as a running back or whether he's bringing you down as a linebacker. Um, he's, he's a stud. One thing that they're going to hurt, though, is uh, one of their linebackers, couple of your starter Gus Mon is out for the season so that's a blow that I think they weren't expecting but uh, it happened because of a wrestling injury in the offseason so they've had a little bit of time to prepare but um, this North team's going to be tough Ethan Welk back at quarterback you got two big tight ends Joe Rose and Carter Zeller that I think any program at any level would love to have a guy that's 6'4 and, and 6'6 and then Jeremiah Sam out there at receiver uh, they have playmakers all over the field so they're going to be tough and and they knocked, you know, Horace around pretty good last year in the opener. And it'll be interesting to see how far Harvey McMahon's team has come with now a year under their belt. Obviously, they don't graduate anyone coming from last year's team. So it's going to be uh, kind of the same crew. But how much have they developed in that year? And I think it's a, a really good litmus test for them right off the bat to see, okay, let's line up against a team that is arguably maybe the best in the state coming into the season and see how we're doing. Uh, also in double A, uh, I'm really intrigued by both Red River and Central. Central, of course, has struggled here in recent years, but made some progress. And Red River uh, might have the best quarterback, maybe the best athlete, one of them anyway, in double A in, uh, in in Pierce Parks as well. They are both head out west tonight. I agree. I've been telling everyone that I can get their ear that Pierce Parks is he's the best quarterback, I feel like, in this division. And, and just a junior, too. Uh, but he's going to be a, a sought-after recruit. Just saw right before I hopped on with you, he was invited to, I think, a, the UND rivalry game or something like that. So, And his brother plays up there, Payne Parks, if you're familiar with that name. But passed for 1,200 yards last year, 10 touchdowns. They'd like to see him cut down on his interception totals, You know, which will be tough because he's not going to have a lot of his receivers back that he had last year. But what he does have back is a big, imposing offensive line, led by Lawson Lotus whose dad passed away and, you know, his uh, dad was an awesome, outstanding player at UND and, you know, heart goes out to the Lotus family. So he'll be playing with a heavy heart, but uh, they have some dudes on that offensive line that'll certainly help Pierce. And you make the point about central made a big leap last year and just Jake showers first year coaching the program and uh, won four games. And they, they have Eric pay. Who's another guy that's committed to UND Trey Koontz committed to UND. They have some really good receivers. Now can they find the quarterback, the right quarterback to, take over for Dylan Lamont, who was all state last year, but graduate. Anybody else in double a that might, uh, might sneak up on, uh, on teams? Well, I mean, I have South ranked high. I don't think they're sneaking up on anyone. Jamestown. I feel like is right there in the mix. 
Dickinson, it's always tough to, to know what they have out there, what they have cooking, uh, but uh, that could be a team that kind of joins the conversation. But to, to be honest, Brad, I, I think it's a, a four-team race for first state title between North, South, uh, Jamestown just has that pedigree, the two-time defending state champs in Red River. Central, I don't think is quite there yet, but it also wouldn't surprise me if, if they are able to knock off one of those teams in the regular season and open some eyes. Visiting with Jody Norstad from Midco Sports on to Class A. And, uh, well, Central Cass and Kindred, I will contend, because <laughs> I've been involved in it for so long, is the best rivalry, one of the best rivalries, just because it, it encompasses many sports. But uh, football, it's really gotten uh, ramped up. Those two teams, you know, visiting with both coaches, uh, with Eric Burgad and Tommy Butler, and I says, is this, do you like having this week one or not? And I think both said, you know what, that's, that's fine. I guess we kind of have a kind of a litmus test and measuring stick and where you stand after week one with these two tonight. Yeah, I think that even the players, you know, I just tweeted out a little link to a video that we shot and Peyton Lamar saying, I love having this week one. You know, why not? Let's anticipate it all summer. And, and it's basically, you know, you wonder how much these two teams and coaching staffs have used the time in fall camp to get prepared for for this game, you know, usually you're like, okay, let's just get prepared for the season, focus on us. But how much of the install has been dictated by the opponent in week one versus if it was, you know, some other random opponent or a out of region opponent, but to lead off with this game, you know, that the focus has been there for both these teams throughout fall camp and they're ready to square off central cast. I mean, Braden Mitchell back at quarterback Lamar, who I just mentioned out at wide receiver Cole Holzer came out. For the football team, uh, the six-seven, you know, basketball stud. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him in the passing game. Uh, it's been reported, you know, Tyler Cruchet, you know, mm-hmm. still recovering from that ACL injury, probably won't play tonight, and that's where I think they're going to miss him because Kindred has, you know, some dudes up front. Uh, a young man named Riley Sunram. Hopefully, people have heard of him, uh, the future Golden Gopher. He's going to be tough to to block up front and, and give Braden Mitchell time. And then for Kindred also. How does that new offense look with the new quarterback, Jay Starcevic, coming over from Thompson? A, a kid that's already been a two-time All-State football player and now stepping into his junior year with a new team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what that looks like for the Vikings in, in Eric Burgad's coaching debut. Yeah, lost a lot of offensive weapons, Heinrich in the backfield, and Omaris and Beaver, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and skilled guy, Jorgen Swenson, I mean, skilled guys. And uh, that, will be, uh, that will be a question, and the line plays – going to be really key for Central Cast. Lost a bunch from that line. And Owen Weersman in the backfield, although Isaac yep. Wisniewski, I think, will fill in uh, just fine there. Um, interesting in Class uh, A, Lisbon and Northern Cast. It'll be interesting to see if the Jags, uh, talking a little bit with uh, Tyler Ukeshead, um, uh, and I think there's you know, they, they've got some guys that have played for two, three years and are still, he says, we kind of feel like we're an old team now facing a Lisbon team. It's usually pretty steady. you got Mayport CG moving up. They've got HCV. Cavalier, another one, too, moving up uh, from 9 to 11 due to their uh, success in recent years, and uh, they're at Park River tonight. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting just to see how Cavalier does now stepping up. And, you know, the coaches and and stuff, I mean, they've admitted, like, I think they have, like, what, 25 guys out for football. So it's like if we start sustaining some injuries, it's going to be tough. And I I believe they have, like, a kindred on the schedule uh, this season. So they're – are going to be times where it's like they're overmatched as far as class size goes, going from a nine-man team to now playing, you know, Kindred, one of the top, you know, bigger schools in in 11-man class B. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, even a new head coach and Brady Laxdahl taking over and and what that brings. But it's, it's going to be tough. I think they will still contend. They'll be in the middle of the pack, and I think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot when it's all said and done because, Brad, you know as well as I do, they just they grow football players in Cavalier. That's mm-hmm. what they do. I mean, those kids are tough, and yeah, they they might feel like it's it's you know weird and and maybe that they're kind of at a disadvantage playing at that eleven man level, but they're still going to give it all they got on Friday night. They make no bones about it. They, those guys are going to want to beat the crap out of you uh, when push comes to shove. Well, they've won at nine man. They've won at double A. Wouldn't be surprised if they can uh, they can compete and be successful uh, in the eleven A class uh, as well. Let's go to nine man uh, highlight game tonight uh, down in Milner, a Sergeant County team that uh, dropping down to nine man against uh, Lamore Litchfield Marion. Um, you know, a lot of good skill guys. Uh, Martinson won for Sergeant County and Lamore Litchfield Marion too. Where 
you know, another successful season. They they, they might be in that boat as Cavalier as well. But uh, a, a fun matchup uh, scheduled down in Milner tonight. Yeah, Eric Olson said, yeah, we're not really dipping our toes in this uh, nine-man thing. And uh, so it's going to be interesting. One of the things that he told me, you know, in talking with those guys in the offseason, it's like we've, you know, we've had really good teams to compete, but we've always just been so thin on the offensive line and just haven't had those guys where, like, now if we can drop, you know, two offensive linemen off our roster, like, we just feel a lot better about our football team. Plus, all the guys they return, they return 10 starters. Well, they're playing nine-man football, 10 starters on both sides of the ball. So all those guys are going to be back and, and have varsity experience. So I think that's just such a huge benefit for Sergeant County. But what better way to see where you stand than opening up against the Lamore Litchville Marion program that has been just a perennial power recently. And um, yeah, they lost a, a lot of really good seniors uh, off last year's group, whether it's you know Anthony Hanson, Colton Ness, I mean, the list goes on and on. Tate Mart has been part of that, you know, crew for a while. And uh, I think Gunnar Fields is kind of the guy that you're looking to as being one of those playmakers for Lamar Litchville Marion this season. And um, I think it's interesting for them, too. I think Andy Delbar is looking at it as, you know, this is a big opportunity for us to, to prove things. I think that's two really, really good football teams that are going to be squaring off on opening night. All right. Jack has a question apparently for both of us. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, guys, and by the way, good to hear your voice, Jody, and I, I hope our, our the Jack Michael Show listening audience can appreciate this because uh, these guys can break it down like better than anybody I have heard. So I've just been sitting here taking notes, Jody, as you and Brad chat about high school, and, and I believe we missed a birthday, I think, Jody. Judging by social media, Jody, I think you had a birthday. That cake looked phenomenal. Your boy, the, your son Harrison, I believe his name, his eyes, I've never seen so big eyes at a cake, but I think it was your cake. So happy birthday, by the way, Jody. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, they, they, they surprised me a little bit with an early birthday party. It's the birthday's on Sunday, and yeah. then uh, the early birthday party, but I celebrate my birthday tonight because it's opening night of high school football, the first Friday night. Anyway. That, there you go. <laughs> Here's what I'll, listening to you guys break down all the different divisions, and uh, my question for, for both of you and Jody, you can jump on, and Brad certainly fill in where, where you need be. In, in realignment now, as we know it, in high school football in North Dakota, and we know the reasons why realignment, because, you know, we have, you know, numbers change in, 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 in schools and participation. You just mentioned, you know, 25 players, if injury happens and all that. But in, in this realignment where some have opted into this class and others opt and stay here, have we guarded against uh, the usual suspects at the end of the year when that Dakota Bowl happens? Have we, is, is there, do you see North Dakota football in the realignment, the classes that we now have in the towns and teams that have, uh, are in those classes where we might see different names in the Dakota Bowl, or is it a is it a split where there might be one class that has every year the usual suspects and, and another class where it might, you know, differentiate? I'll throw that at you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've seen a little bit of positive results for some programs. I think Jamestown's probably the first one that comes to mind. I mean, they were just, you know, a sacrificial lamb almost at times at that top, you know, level. And they've jumped down. They've won a couple of state titles. And Bill Nelson's program is, I mean, I can't remember the, the exact number that he told me, but like 60, 70 players out for football. And it's, it's, they've never had something like that. It's just been the, the rise of a program. And Fargo North has felt some resurgence. Fargo South, I mean, they they were still somewhat competitive, and I'd, I'd argue they were able to still compete at that top level. Uh, and then they kind of had a couple of rough years, but I think they'll be back in the mix this year. But I think it has opened up some doors. You look at the other levels, you know, Velvet Drink, Animus, Garrison, they're, they're always going to be there. Central Cass and Kinder, those big schools are always going to be there. I think it's, you know, developed a, a little bit of better rivalries in some of those schools that are used to playing each other, you know, in basketball and other sports to be able to play those guys because, when Kindred and Central Cass were up, you know, in that second division, so to speak, you kind of were missing some of that. So I think some of the players enjoy that, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Brad, I don't know. What, what do you think, man? I think this thing's kind of, you know, I there's some things of the program that I that I kind of like and don't like. I think um, for some of those teams that have been really successful to just automatically move them up, yeah. um, I, I, I understand it, but... 
you're they, penalizing what they're doing well. Right. So you're kind of penalizing yeah. them for being successful. And, you know, I don't have problems with, you know, maybe if teams have struggled, if they're kind of low on numbers and I'll use Sargent County as a really good example. And uh, even when Mabel Valley and Enderlin had that co-op and they were stuck in double A and it just didn't seem to make any sense. And, and I think they've kind of fixed some of those things. But, I mean, for some of those teams that have been successful, they've been successful at that level, just moving them up. Seems like you're you're penalizing them for being successful, and that I don't, I don't quite agree with that. Yeah, no, I hear you there. But you know, like I said, that that thing is kind of a work in Good progress, and, and I mean, it, it's you know, and they're constantly you know tinkering with it, and and, and we'll see. I mean, I was just kind of looking at uh, uh, looking at for just for twenty four, just for kicks, and maybe a team like Central Cast, they uh, they might be moving up. You know the, the enrollment numbers going up. They might be heading up a class in twenty five, perhaps. And uh, yeah, that's, I was just that's just one example. Yeah. So yeah, and, I wouldn't be surprised if Kindred and Central Cass were EDC teams. You know, in a in a handful of years. I, I just the the way the enrollments and, and the communities are just blowing up out there. I, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. Yep, but that's uh, that's down the uh, down the road a little bit here as well. I um, just wanted to go back real quick, uh, but uh, just a couple of other nine man games. I think. Uh, uh, New Rockford, Cheyenne, North Star, you could see a lot of points in that game. I think that's going to be really entertaining. And I know you're real high in North Prairie, too, Jody. Yeah, North Prairie. I mean, Nate Tasted returns, and he's committed to NDSU offensive lineman. His younger brother, Brett, who's probably, you know, not too much smaller than Nate, and they get fed pretty well on their uh, ranch by their mother, as Nate was telling me a, a couple weeks ago. And so I think they're going to be really good. They lose Nicholas Mears, who is an incredible, talented quarterback, but they – feel pretty confident in the guy they have behind him, 6'4", 170 pounds. Jeffrey Rosinski should be pretty good. And Blake Matson. I mean, he rushed for 1,700 yards last year, 24 touchdowns behind that bruising offensive line. But when you have a line like they do, like North Prairie does, you can wear a lot of teams out uh, in that nine-man division. If you really stick to your guns and you don't turn the ball over, you can really grind on teams. And I think that's what they're going to be able to do all year. New Rockford Cheyenne, by the way, that, that's an interesting matchup right off the bat. Uh, going against the North Star team. I think that's going to be a, a really entertaining matchup. New Rockford Cheyenne pairing up with Maddox now, too, and, and they have some guys coming back from, from injuries that they sustained uh, last year. Connor Natrude's a, a speedster. Elliot Belquist feels really, really good about his team uh, going into the season. Even though 3A uh, gets underway uh, next week, uh, I know we'll have Bismarck and Shanley next week over on 104.7 KFGO. How do uh, you think 3A looks? Well, I, you got to start with Shanley, right? I mean, the, the Deacons, they, they lost a good chunk. They lost, you know, a lot of their offense, whether it be the quarterback, Michael Rosberg, Vachiri Hakim, Connor Kraft, the two receivers. But Sam Oshek's back, Caden Chrisman, those will kind of be the top targets. And then I think Landon Meyer is going to be a really good quarterback. He's been playing mostly on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of years at that safety position. And it, when a when a guy does that as a sophomore, you kind of know that, okay, he's a pretty good athlete. Well, then the eye test, you walk up to Landon Meyer, you know what he's been able to do, you know, in, in other sports, a really good baseball player too, but that kid is built and he's going to be more of the, the rushing variety quarterback that we've seen in the past from Shanley, whether it be Cade Busek, you know, Cooper Mattern had a little bit of that to his game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch them. The Leininger boys are back. Um, uh, they have a really good defensive lineman and Cam Allers, so I think that's going to be a dangerous team. Then Cheyenne is—you usually can just pick them in as being one of the top teams, just like they were last year. Caleb Deer comes back as a quarterback, and and they'll kind of build around him. Minot out west, I think, has a chance to really—I mean, we've seen them just kind of getting better and better year after year underneath Chauncey Hendershot, who took over. I think it was about four years ago. I think this year's senior class—they were freshmen when he started. And I, I think this is going to be a real breakthrough year for Minot. Uh, Logan Conklin, kind of their top player at receiver, and Tyson Rosiska in the backfield. So yep. Yep. Uh, that's kind of how I see things shaking out, man. Yeah, very, yeah, very true, man. Dan Davies next week will be an intriguing matchup as well. Jody, yeah. Jody, appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll see you. Well, we might see you tonight, Kindred, but we'll see you down the trail. But uh, appreciate the insight. All right, sounds good, Brad. Happy to be on and, and looking forward to a new season. Good luck to everyone that's, that's hitting the field tonight. All right, very good. Jody Norstead from Midco Sports joining us here as the high school football season uh, gets underway in North Dakota in full. Uh, at least for the most part, 3A and uh, some 2A will start next week, but uh, nine-man A and a few games in AA, three games in AA tonight with uh, Red River and Central heading out west and 
uh, Horace hosting North. We'll visit with Corey Provost, talk some Twins baseball next on The Fan. Check out the hot pot deals at Menards. Say big on Crescent Circular Saw Blades. They're $8.99 at other stores. Just $4.99 after rebate at Menards. A 3,000 lumen three-panel folding LED light is $12 at other stores. Just $4.97 after rebate at Menards. Choose from a combo or handheld shower head. Just $9.99 after 11% off. Good while supplies last through August 20th. Savings are mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. Back on the Jack Michaels Show, back in Kansas City. Brad Anderson here inside the Gunderson Jewelers Studios. Is uh, yeah, time to talk some Twins baseball. Is the uh, Twins split with the Tigers? Probably won a game they should have lost, and lost the game they should have won, which is kind of par for the course with that uh, with that uh, ball club. As uh, the Twins continue their home stand, as they will take on the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight, followed by a four, the very good Texas Rangers team. As we're joined by. Radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis, brought to you by Dean's Bulk Service and C-Store in Barnesville. And uh, just kind of up and down with the uh, the Tigers, a team that uh, has given the Twins fits, Corey. No, credit to the Tigers this year. And I thought A.J. Hinch, he's a really good manager. And you can obviously think about what what took place in Houston under his watch, and that's always going to be attached to his name. Uh, and that's fair. But, you know, this year, just looking at it separately now and in a whole new era of his managerial career, I mean, he can manage. I, I just think he, you know, he picked the right spots uh, for certain lineup construction, certain bullpen matchups. Um, I think, you know, the way that at times as pitchers, they're pitching plans against the Twins hitters, I thought was effective. And they just found a way to, to, to handle the Twins this year. Um, and and they're, they're doing well in the division. If you look at their AL Central record, they're they're like nine or ten games over within the AL Central this season. So it's not just the Twins; they've been a thorn for just about everybody in the division, despite their overall record. And they've struggled outside the division. But you know, for a Tiger team that that I think is going to have some money to spend uh, this winter with Miguel Cabrera's contract coming off the books, and if Eduardo Rodriguez opts out, uh, they're going to have some money to spend. I think they have some players that they think, all right, we can build around these guys. Um, you know, with, with Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and Kerry Carpenter and Matt Veerling um, and Javi Baez, obviously, that that's a good place to start. And then you add in some, I think, pitching and some bullpen help, and the Tigers could be, I think, a, a contending team in this division next season just because I don't see anybody winning this division by by 20 games next year. And I think it's going to be another year where mediocrity is going to be all right, and that will keep you in contention. I think the Tigers, with some money to spend, and some emerging players, I think they could be that kind of team next year. Yeah, kind of a series to keep an eye on that uh, was rained out on Thursday. But uh, Detroit at Cleveland, and uh, if you're into scoreboard watching, which I think uh, some folks are probably getting to that point now, that's a series to keep an eye on. That it is. Uh, that, that certainly it is. And hopefully that Tiger team can can do what they did to the Twins uh, all weekend long against the Guardians. Um, that. They, uh, you know, Cleveland right now that they their, their offense has not been very good. Uh, they split a series with the Reds uh, earlier in the week, um, but their pitching is is they're they're thin right now with with pitching. They got so many injuries, but when we get to September, that's when these two teams are going to play. The Twins have six games coming up in a short period of time with Cleveland, uh, and then seven with Texas, also in that same time frame. I mean. You get through the weekend, and starting on Tuesday, Brad, I mean, the Twins, their next, I think, like 14 or 15 games are all against contending teams. With the Brewers, the first-place team, and the Twins are lining up right now to see their top two starters, by the way, next week in Milwaukee. And then you have the Guardians, then you have the Rangers, and then you have the Rangers and Guardians again. This is going to be a pretty compelling two weeks of baseball coming up, but don't overlook this Pittsburgh team this weekend. We've seen what this Twins team can do against Losing record teams, it's not been very easy since the All-Star break. So these these games are vital this week and have to, at minimum, take the series, win two out of three, and hopefully the Tigers can stay hot and do uh, do some damage against Cleveland. Well, Pablo Lopez goes uh, tonight for uh, Minnesota, and it's, uh, boy, his last three starts, I was just looking at the numbers, one earned run allowed, I think 13 or 14 hits in 19 innings, and he is, uh, he is done what an ace is supposed to do for him. 
you know, if the Twins win this division, Brad, and they have the luxury that they can line up their pitching uh, you know, the way they want and not need those last two or three games in Colorado uh, to end the season, Lopez, to me, is your game one starter. And that's nothing against Sonny Gray. Um, it's not really, uh, you know, you, you can't lose with either option. But I just think the way that, that Pablo throws, the stuff he has, his breaking ball has been really good, has a good changeup. He's got so many pitches to play with, with Velo in the upper 90s. Uh, he, he, to me, has stuff that says, all right, this guy could be a frontline guy. You know, he's going to strike out 200 batters this season. Uh, he'll be the first one to do that as a twin starter since Barrios did a couple of years ago. So he's, he's that guy. I mean, he's a guy that misses bats. And uh, when, he, when you get to postseason, those strikeout arms, you just can't rely on contact. You need, you, know, you need some power. You need some guys that can miss bats, and Lopez can, can do that. So if they have that luxury, Brad, that they can line up their pitching you know, to me, he would be, I think, the, the the most logical choice to start game one of any postseason series. Well, Byron Buxton sounds like they're going to take their time with him and uh, into September, which I think has maybe opened up the lineup a little bit. You can DH Julian and, and DH, so you can kind of mix and match with your DHs. And now Royce Lewis back, and third base is his spot, it looks like. But uh, I've just been really impressed with the really the young guys in this lineup. Julian's got a patient approach. That bat that led to the... Grand Slam from Walner was a great at bat, and Lewis as well. It just seems like some of those younger guys, their approach has been uh, mature beyond their years. Yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing the, the, the changing of the guard here a little bit. The core that we that we love for a long time of Sano, Rosario, Kepler, Polanco, Buxton. You know, just a few of those guys are left, and there's uncertainty about Kepler and Polanco's future beyond this season. Um, so Buxton, he'll be here. But, yeah, we're seeing this this next wave, and that's how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to kind of have these guys, and not all are going to stay. The ones that produce hopefully do. But then you hope you fill those those gaps with more more young talent. And with Brooks Lee coming up, Austin Martin, by the way, has looked really good at AAA. That, that's, that's been encouraging to see as well. Um, yeah, there's a nice little pipeline here of players. Now, will the pitching follow? That's what's been missing. That's why the Twins have had to – go out and trade or sign pitching. Um, you know, they're the, the names we know, the Marco Rias and the David Festas, but I don't know what kind of impact they're going to have where the Twins have this pipeline, it seems like, of young hitting that is always great to have. And that's going to continue here for the next couple of years just based on, you know, how some of these guys are doing uh, at various levels of the minor leagues. It'd be interesting to see when they expand the rosters and only it's, you know, you add basically a couple of guys. That's a change from a few years back to somebody like Louis Varlin get called up. Is it an Austin Martin? Uh, it'd be interesting to see. The Twins could go a number of different ways when the rosters are expanded here in a couple of weeks. I don't think you need that third catcher anymore, right, Brad? Because that used to be the, 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 the move you'd make right away. Yep. You just you go get a third catcher. I don't think you need that. I, I don't. Um, I, I'm with you. I think that Louis Varlin, to me, is is a logical choice to, to join the team. And I think see him out of the bullpen with that velo, with that power that he has, and maybe it'll even go up a notch or two because they'll limit his innings. And then Martin, you know, is somebody, yeah, that I think would be a compelling choice as well. He can move around a little bit. And um, so that, that to me has, has my attention as well. You know, but also, you know, the minor league season is winding down here. It ends around Labor Day. And Byron is going to rehab here at some point. And what I am going to be watching for, not so much as at bats, is DHing, but does Byron play a couple of innings in center field? Do we see any center field from Byron Buxton during his rehab time in St. Paul? If we do, then that opens up a whole opportunity, I think, come September for Byron to see time back in center for the Twins. So that, to me, is, is more compelling than anything else, uh, is that when, when Byron does begin a rehab assignment, his first game, I, he's going to DH, I get that, but but as that rehab continues, do we see him go out and play maybe four or five innings in center? Because if that happens, then I think the conversation takes on a whole different whole different path uh, in terms of what Byron's value could be when he comes back off the IL. Any word on Kirloff? That's been really quiet since he's uh, gone to the DL. You know, I'm not, I, I don't have more on that. And, you know, he's got a shoulder injury, and he's swinging the bat. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm with you that I think the, the, the more murky this kind of diagnosis is, I, I wonder if there's more damage in that shoulder than we're, than we're hearing about. Yep. And if, if he's trying to just rehab it, play through it, and then reassess when the, when the season's over, 
maybe something will come out of that. But but I'm with you that we're just not hearing a whole lot. We know that he's taking some swings, but what 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 is he gaining from that? I mean, what what are the results from that? Is he is he able to to hit the ball hard? Is he able to swing without pain? I mean, he's going to be uncomfortable, but can he do it pain free? So that that's worth following up, and we'll try to get some more info on that. And, you know, the, the Twins don't give you every detail you want in injuries, um, but I don't what team does, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I, I think that's uh, that's certainly that's more concerning than any other injury right now with any current player on the IL is is how healthy is is Kirilov's shoulder? Because I'm just not sure. Yeah, I uh, I would uh, tend to agree on that. We're at the final quarter of the season, the final 40 games. What do you want to see from this ball club? Uh, the final quarter here, and hopefully a uh, trip to the postseason. It's been a streaky team, hasn't it? It's been the wins, the losses. I, I just, I, you know, the wins are great, but when the losses happen, let's not make it four or five in a row. I mean, if they can just out of just being a five hundred team, and you know, have a seven, you know, build that lead up to six, seven, eight games here as we get into September and they'll have that chance because of all the games they have coming up against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But I think especially those first few that are at home, man, that, that to me is the time that they can, they cannot bury Cleveland, but really put some distance between themselves and the guardians, um, you know, by just handling that series at home. Same with Texas. I mean, the first seven of those two teams are all coming up at target field. Texas is, is, is going to be the best team the twins have seen. And, you know, probably since Atlanta. Uh, that that's going to be an awesome team without an easy out in that lineup. Uh, they're going to see really good arms. It's a great team. It's a team that could win it all. So just can't can't get swept. And when they have that seven game homestand against Texas and against Cleveland, you know, just one and six would be just would be a, would be a kick in the gut. That that just can't happen. So try to win series against Texas. Even a split would be fine. Ideally, you win it. If not, take a split. And just don't lose too much ground here with that hard-charging Cleveland club coming up. Yep, just need to hold serve. Corey, appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Brad. You bet. Good conversation there with uh, Corey Provis. And, uh, yeah, they always uh, always up front and very frank, uh, even, even when he did have a couple of days off. He'll be back on the mic tonight as uh, the Twins and the Pirates weekend series. The Rangers coming in next week as well. That'll be... 6.30 on the pregame time, 7.10 first pitch on 7.90 KFGO. Again, 104.7 tonight for Central Cass and Kindred Football. 6.40 pregame kickoff at 7. 101.9 for Fargo Little League Baseball. Scheduled for about a 6 p.m. start there. And here are the fan, Red Hawks with Jack Michaels. Red Hawks in Kansas City. They will take on the Monarchs as they uh, try to get themselves back into the playoff picture. So a full night. Hope you enjoy it all. Have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday here on The Fan.